Hey folks, soulmates we like to call you. We have plenty to discuss on this Thursday. We can smell the weekend, right? Want to welcome you to Fox Souls Black Report. <laughs> We're following the latest uh, in the new lawsuits, lawsuits with an S against Bill Cosby and uh, support for Black Lives Matter could be decreasing. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. Plus the new category being added to the Grammys to mm. showcase black artists and how five sisters are making a change in the medical field. They're the stories that impact our people. You know, we're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice, so let's get into our big story for the day. It takes us to Philadelphia as a teenager by the name of Shalea Porter has vanished, leaving her family in a state of panic. Shalea was last seen near her grandmother's home back on June 5th. Her failure to attend her high school graduation has amplified concerns. Her family asserts that she, a responsible student with a flawless attendance record, would never just leave in an effort to find her supporters gathered uh, to distribute about 3,000 flyers. Porter's mother implored anyone with information to contact the Southwest Philly Detective Division. That number you see here on your screen, 215-686-3183. Just a disturbing story as we've dedicated a lot of shows to the missing and exploited, that being um, black children. What I find interesting is that her cell phone and other personal effects were on her bed. And you know, most of us, let alone a teenager, we don't go too many places without our cell phone. We don't, we don't, we don't. And it, this is a really strange story as you reported and as was reported there. Uh, you know, she had an impeccable attendance record. This mm -hmm. is somebody that uh, didn't just show up missing, you know, mm -hmm. but somebody who actually missed their high school graduation. Yeah. So lots of cause for concern in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's unknown what role the internet you know, played in uh, her going missing. Yeah. We know so often from the folks that represent the Black and Missing Foundation who have been a guest right here on mm -hmm. Foxhole's Black Report, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, so often, you know, even, you know, the smartest, savviest uh, folks on the internet can sometimes get duped. And so we hope that she comes back again soon. Again, that number to contact the Southwest Detective Division in Philadelphia, 215-686-3183. Yeah, not only graduation, but prom an impeccable attendance record and also a scholar as she is scheduled to uh, the, the the university uh, uh, skips my mind right now but she's scheduled to attend college so you know everything is in alignment with you know what we would want you know from our children uh, what we would want from this up-and-coming generation graduation season she's prepared to partake in all of these events and just mysteriously disappears uh, disappear and they have not heard from her it is just scary I cannot imagine uh, what her family must be going through, and uh, we can only hope and pray for the best in trying to find her. That's right. Well, former Marine Daniel Penny, who encountered unhoused street performer Jordan Neely on a New York subway, has been indicted by a Manhattan grand jury for Neely's death. Initially charged with second-degree manslaughter, the exact charges will be revealed at Penny's arraignment. Penny claiming self-defense applied a lethal chokehold despite Neely's lack of a weapon or physical contact with anyone on the train. In an exclusive interview with Fox News Digital, Penny justified his actions, expressing fear for the safety of other passengers. Neely's family strongly criticized Penny's defense, asserting that he acted with indifference and deserves prison. 
Penny's court appearance is set for July 17th. Yeah, and this uh, it really uh, sets the stage, if you will, to see if those charges will be a little heavier. A lot of folks uh, wanted heavier charges. There were, you know, as you may remember, plenty of protests leading up to those charges because for a while, uh, this particular uh, offender um, alleged offender, uh, you know, walked free for a while. And it was like, it felt like New York authorities were kind of scratching their heads as to as to what to do. And I think, you know, with this case and, and much like the case down in Florida with uh, A.J. Owens, the mother of those four children who, who was killed by a neighbor, um, sometimes patience, uh, you know, is the key. Sometimes it seems like, you know, maybe law enforcement and we, we know we have issues with trusting and, and, and ensuring justice, but maybe it is about patience. So the folks that we do trust, uh, to bring charges, to bring an indictment, um, you know, have the time to go about it the right way and let these charges stick. I know down in Florida, they're still looking for some heavier charges as well. So, you know, you just have to let the legal yeah. system play out no matter how long it really takes. And in an exclusive interview with Fox News Digital, as, as was referenced, when Penny told the outlet, quote, he would have killed somebody had I not intervened. Mm. How do you know that? How do you know that? And do we, again, do we really want to live in a country where an individual can decide whether or not you pose a lethal threat to people on a train and they take your life into their own hands? That's a big part of what this case is all about. And so we've got to keep our eye on it. Um, you know, some hopefully encouraging news to the Neely family, the fact that Penny was indicted. Yeah, well, you know, and there are other folks who were, um, you know, in helping with restraining him. So, you know, I've always said, let's take a look at these other two men as well. Yeah. All right, let's go to Mississippi now, where a police officer by the name of Sergeant Greg Capers has been suspended without pay for shooting 11-year-old Adarian Murray during a domestic dispute response. The decision to change Capers' status from paid leave to unpaid leave was made by the Board of Aldermen. Uh, Adarian's family seeks termination and and criminal charges against Capers. Now, the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation is still conducting its probe, and a $5 million federal lawsuit has since been filed by that family. Yeah, you know, I mean, there are folks that might say, well, maybe he didn't intend to shoot the young man, right? We invest too much in police training mm. for this to have happened. And if you're going to walk around and have the added responsibility of carrying lethal force, you need to know when to use that and how to use that responsibly. In this case, it appears to be an irresponsible use of force. It, it, it seems as if it is shoot first, ask questions later, and we see this time and time and time again. Um, and so, you know, kudos to uh, the folks on that city council that had the courage to say, wait a minute, you know, why, why do we have him on leave with pay? He should be on leave without pay. And so uh, that is just a modicum of the justice that uh, the family of that young boy is seeking. And not only do we, you know, invest a lot in police training, we also depend on it. You know, we also, you know, want to trust in it, you know, and time and time again, uh, that training uh, uh, in particular fails us. Uh, and so, again, uh, moving through uh, the halls of justice, if you will, hoping this family uh, gets that uh, and that uh, lawsuit that is uh, pending so this uh, young man can continue to recover with whatever it is he needs. Yeah. Well, jurors in a federal court in New Jersey have awarded $25.6 million to Shannon Phillips, a former regional 
Starbucks manager. Now, Phillips and other white employees allege unfair treatment by the coffee chain following the high-profile arrest of two black men in Philadelphia. The jury found that Phillips firing violated anti-discrimination laws with race being a determining factor. Starbucks denied the claim, stating the need for a strong leader during the crisis. And to Hamtramck now, that's a city uh, near right here in Detroit. They have unanimously voted to ban the display of LGBTQ flags on public property. Now, the decision was made during a, a contentious city meeting with one council member arguing that such displays are unnecessary, stating that the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community is already represented and questioned the need for government property to showcase the flag. Now, the city's council members are and mayor are predominantly Muslim, and the ban is seen as an attempt to respect religious rights. Critics view the ban as discriminatory, while the resolution's author argues that it represents the majority opinion of the city's residents. Now, Courtney, you know I have a lot to say about this. I know you do. I was going to yield the, <laughs> yield the desk to you. you. You know, I mean, earlier this week I was at the White House, the People's House, and you know, one of I posted a video of of what felt like a church service mm. on the South Lawn of the White House celebrating Juneteenth. And I was looking at one of the messages on social media, uh, and somebody said, wow, it's amazing that this White House can have a pride celebration a few days before having a Juneteenth celebration. Mm. And might I add that that Juneteenth celebration included a celebration of black music, it, and which included gospel music, right? And so this idea that this uh, council person uh, is putting forth Naeem Chadori, mm -hmm. uh, where she says, quotes, you guys are welcome, referring to the LGBTQ community and supporters, but why do you have to have a flag shown on government property to be represented? Government property is the people's property, first of all. And flags are symbols. They are demonstrations of our values. Uh, and I understand that there is a significant Muslim population there. I understand that people have various religious views and should be entitled uh, to those views. Uh, but when it comes to government property, it's the people's property. And just how I would advocate mm. for the LGBTQ flag to be flown, I would advocate for celebrations of Ramadan, celebrations of Passover, right? That's the beautiful thing about the United States of America. America is that at our best, people of all walks of life can unite around one flag, the idea and principles of freedom and justice for all. Here's the thing for me. First and foremost, let the flag fly. It's not bothering you or anybody else. But you know, I'm sure a, a lot of soulmates can identify with this. I'm just amazed at how much that community has changed. Hamtramck was traditionally a Polish uh, community. And now to hear that it is you know, ran by uh, Muslims, there's a huge Asian population, uh, still mostly white and, and little less than 10% black, uh, also speaks to um, you know, how our communities have changed. And as a result, you're having people move through policies like this and, and, and discrimination like this. So very interesting. Yeah. And even though Ramadan doesn't have a flag, I know it doesn't have a flag, but you know, it's still a celebration you know, of a community of people. And I'm saying there's room for everybody at the table. Moving along, Texas Representative Jasmine Crockett has made history as the first black woman Democrat to participate in the congressional baseball game, a tradition that dates back 114 years. Crockett expressed her motivation to inspire young black girls with big dreams, whether on the baseball field or in the halls of Congress. 
The bipartisan event raised funds for local charities, with Republicans securing their third consecutive victory, defeating Democrats 16 to 6. Yikes. Crockett, a civil rights attorney, represents Texas's 30th district and serves on the House Oversight Committee. Her participation highlights the ongoing need for increased diversity in Congress. Bill Cosby is being sued in the Los Angeles County for alleged sexual misconduct. Victoria Valentino, a former Playboy model, accuses Cosby of drugging and raping her. This was back in 1969. Now, according to Valentino, Cosby provided peels at a restaurant, causing her to pass out, and then attempted to rape her friend before assaulting her. Valentino's lawsuit is made possible by California's Assembly Bill 2777, allowing victims to sue despite the statute of limitations. Cosby's spokesperson dismissed the claims as a part of a larger effort to target successful black men like Cosby and R. Kelly, stating that they don't want him to be seen as America's dad. Well, you know, Courtney, I don't see this as a winning argument. You don't want to be tied to R. Kelly. I mean, he's saying, you know, they beat up on Bill Cosby yeah, and R. Kelly. I understand the mentioning uh, of you that. Know, okay, spokesperson, you, yeah. you may need to take a break yeah. uh, off, so off what, of your duties. Someone has been proven to be guilty. The other one, you know, you know, 69. So where's, you know, the, the evidence? So it's, it's, it's harder to prove. Now, I'm not disputing what she's claiming, but to put R. I wouldn't, as a, as a representative, yeah. I wouldn't put Bill Cosby and R. Kelly in the same sentence. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what's so interesting about this case is, you know, this lawsuit, again, was filed under this California assembly law, this California bill that allows for sexual abuse victims to sue their perpetrators, even if the crime occurred outside of the statute of limitations, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what if this ha what if this law uh, begins to sweep the country? Um, I, you know, I mean, it really, is it fair that if there was something that happened in 1969, it's now, it's now 2023, is it fair for somebody to still be able to take somebody uh, to court, you know, on criminal charges? I'm assuming yes. I mean, because whether it was, you know, 69, 99, 79, 2009, if, if there's been a violation, I would say yes. However, uh, I do think the, the, the court system is really asking for something that they're not going to be able to handle. There are a lot of uh, court systems who, you know, we're over the pandemic, but who are still virtual just because they don't have the, the man or the woman power, if you will, um, or still, you know, lack, you know, positions or, or, or duties or services uh, because of, you know, folks not returning to work. So I would think it would it would over overload the system myself. If, yeah, you know, I mean, a barrage of cases that they couldn't handle the, the load. I think this is really about statute of limitations mm -hmm. and do we believe in them, do we not believe in them? Because if we don't believe in them, then we take away statute of limitations for a whole range of issues, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that is the, the big question, one of the big questions, uh, along with whether or not there is a guilt or innocence here. Moving along, there's more to come on Fox Soul's Black Report, including how the future of Black Lives Matter could be in jeopardy. Yeah, we'll tell you what new research shows when it comes to the organization's approval rating and support. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Well, more 
wildfire smoke from Canada is blanketing the U.S. Thick plumes of smoke from Ontario are compromising the air quality in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Just yesterday, the National Weather Service placed the entire state of Minnesota and most of Wisconsin under air quality alerts. Officials say the smoke is expected to clear up today and the air quality should improve. You know, and everybody's saying, you know, Canada, you know, it's, it's Canada's fault. Can't, you know, well, you listen, America's had their fair share of wildfires, especially over there in your parts. That's right. In California. And, we know and, well. And, and where California is situated and where some of those fires have been, I'm sure some of that smoke has creeped up to Canada. So this is an environmental problem, a global environmental problem. I know cities like New York, cities uh, like Detroit, who, who are closely, um, uh, ge geographically very close to Canada have, have suffered the most with the, with the thicker, uh, more toxic um, air, if you mm -hmm. will. Uh, but, but, you know, instead of pointing the finger, let's take a look at, you know, how our issues, uh, everybody's issues affects one another. And globally, let's come together and see what we can do. And that's, and that's a part of what, why this is a global movement mm -hmm. uh, around addressing the issues related to climate change. Climate resilience, you know, is something that we need to see more of, we need to invest more in. Uh, in recent years, we've seen issues related to climate justice go from being fringe issues mm -hmm. to being mainstream issues. And this is part of the reason why, is because we're living the effects. Yeah. You know, you know the, the smoke uh, that, that is blowing in from Canada you know, is making life more complicated for people that are asthmatic, you know, for people that suffer from COPD and other respiratory uh, issues. And so we can't look away. If we look away, it's, it's going to be right yeah. here on our doorstep. And I mean, in fact, we may not be able to step outside the door for, you know, for folks here in Detroit. I know we're talking about, you know, the effects of the fires, but that that Arctic thick Arctic wind as a Detroiter has always mm. come down from Canada. So, I mean, it's, there's always been this exchange of how we, uh, you know, how the environment affects one another. And I think uh, these fires put that conversation, that global conversation right at the at, at the front and center of how we need to come together as nations to solve this issue. That's right. All right, data from the Houston Police Department's Transparency Hub uh, reveals a disproportionate use of force against black residents by Houston police officers, you don't say. While black residents make up 22% of the population, they represent 72% of those who have suffered severe bodily injuries at the hands of police and 63% of deaths resulting from police use of force since 2020. Now, the figures raise concerns about bias and racism within the police system. Efforts to address the issue include calls for increased trust, alternative complaint procedures, and broader social reforms to address underlying issues contributing to crime and poverty. Well, you know, I just want to lift up the voice of a local organizer on the ground, Rashawn Evans, who organized with a group, Pure Justice, who said, quotes, for us to be targeted 72% of the time, it shows that there's major bias, not a little bi bias, a, a major bias and racism that's been trying to um, uh, get away uh, since, you know, slavery supposedly ended, right? And this is right there in, in Texas. Look, you know, we're celebrating Juneteenth on Monday you know, which is supposed to be sort of the, the beginning of, of us uh, being able to fully enjoy our freedom and be fully American, right? Uh, but statistics like this suggest that we aren't. You know, if, if police are uh, policing us at a rate that's higher 
than our, the proportion that we, that we hold in the city. That's a problem. And we know that there's a, a race right now for mayor uh, in Houston. We know that uh, the police chiefs report into the mayors. And so that's one of the important uh, uh, roles that any mayor has is appointing a police chief. But, you know, we have a black mayor right now. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we have a black mayor of Houston right now. There are plenty of black folks who are running to be mayor. And so they've got to answer the question, what difference would their leadership make for black folks on this issue? When you talk about, you know, the idea of adding insult to uh, injury and the whole idea of Juneteenth and it being birthed right there in, mm -hmm. in Texas, if you, if you do a little Googling and, and read your history. Um, and so tell us something that we don't already know. I appreciate the statistics. I appreciate, appreciate the uh, results, but they're just telling us what we already know. They're just telling us what we've already experienced. They're just telling us what we've already, you know, who we've already buried in regards, you know, at the hands of either, you know, police violence or whatever the case may be. But like, like, give me something new, like some solution-based res yeah. re results, some yeah. solution-based re research that includes what we talked about a little earlier, you know, some improved training and the, the culture, the blue culture. Like, I appreciate these these stats, but come on, y'all, you're not telling me anything different than what we already know, what we already experience as a culture. Mm-hmm. Well, a new study by Pew Research Center reveals a decline in support for Black Lives Matter movement among Americans. Currently, 51% of Americans express support, down from nearly 70% after George Floyd's killing in 2020. Now, the decrease is primarily driven by declining support among white adults. Support among black and Hispanic adults remains stable. The study also highlights differing perceptions of the movement with some describing it as, quote, dangerous and divisive, while others view it as empowering. Age and political ideology are significant factors in support for the movement. Listen, uh, I love us, and I've often said that we have to matter to each other before we can expect, you know, anybody else, uh, to, for us to matter to anybody else. But I must admit, you know, over the years, I've kind of given the organization a little bit of a side eye. A lot of it has to do with the confusion as to who is what, especially with some of the lawsuits uh, that have been out there, some of what, you know, kind of uh, shows a little bit of, a, of infighting. It's very confusion, confusing as to, as to who is what and what is what. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, you know, there are uh, a number of missteps that we've seen mm -hmm. from Black Lives Matter Foundation, and a lot of people confuse that with uh, Black Lives Matter Grassroots Network. Exactly. Uh, you know, but that sort of tension mm -hmm. uh, has played out in public and has made, it's, it's been a distraction from the mission, the very noble mission, the timely mission of Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, but let's also not forget that this movement has faced some fierce opposition in the form of book bans and attacks on black history and pushback against calls for police reform, right? And so there are a lot of folks on the other side of where Black Lives Matter is, you know, that has been very successful at helping to distort uh, the Black Lives Matter reputation uh, and their positions. I would also point out the fact that 51% of Americans say that they strongly or somewhat support Black Lives Matter. That's actually a good number. Yeah, it's down from 70%. But, you know, go talk to the movement leaders around reparations. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, reparations currently in this country doesn't have that kind of support, right? And so having over half of, of the folks surveyed 
uh, strongly or somewhat supportive of, uh, if any movement, let alone the Black Lives Matter movement, is still a good thing. It's a positive thing, but they do they do have some work to do. Yeah, and I do agree with you, but some of that negative publicity that they've gotten over the years, I think, has thrown a lot of people off. All right, moving on here. Three categories will be added for next year's Grammys. That brings the total number to, 20, to 94, rather. Now, the added categories are pop dance, recording, African music performance, and alternative jazz albums also. The categories of producer of the year and songwriter of the year will move to the field that also includes album record and song of the year. Members of the Recording Academy can vote uh, in up to 10 categories across three genres, but they're instructed to, to vote in the ones they have the most expertise in. This will be interesting. Yeah, you Come know, look. Afro Beats nominations, huh? That's right, that's right. Look, I want to give the Recording Academy an award for leading by example. This is a best-in-class example, in my view, of diversity, equity, and inclusion done right. And so hat tip to the Recording Academy CEO, Harvey Mason Jr., and, you know, the folks on their DEI team, you know, the Recording Academy, mm -hmm. so as a DEI team, you know, throughout the year, uh, what they did was they asked for folks to submit proposals. They asked for their members to support, to, to submit proposals for new categories. Those proposals were reviewed by a committee, voted on by the Academy Board of Trustees, and it didn't take years and years and years yeah. in order to get that done. I hear you, Dr. Nee Quartelai-Corte, but at the same time, I still feel like the Academy is playing catch up. I, I, you know, I appreciate all of this new, these new categories, inclusive categories, but I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to, to more of this, but I still feel they're playing catch up. Yeah, well, you know, look, there's folks, folks of color that are in charge, you know, are leading the way. And so that's, that's, uh, bring it. That's, that's a part of how this thing goes. Coming up, the legacy and the story of Henrietta Lacks. It could be honored in a major wow. way. When we return, we'll tell you how she could receive a congressional gold medal and everybody who's behind this push. When we return, you're watching Fox Hills Back Report. Welcome back to Voxel's Black Report. Well, black leaders are calling for Henrietta Lacks to be posthumously honored with the Congressional Gold Medal for her contribution to science and medicine. Yeah, the Congressional Black Caucus, civil rights attorney Ben Crump, and the family of Lacks, whose cells were stolen and harvested without her consent back in the 1950s, are calling for the honor. Her cells were the first human cells to multiply outside of the body, and her unknowing contribution to medicine has played a vital role in the polio vaccine, cloning, in vitro fertilization, uh, gene mapping, and much, much more. Long look, overdue. Look at the contribution of black folks to the history of America, to the advancement of science and medicine. Look at the difference mm -hmm. that she's making, not just across the country, but around the world. It's important to know that this award is really the most prestigious award that a citizen can receive from Congress. And there have been fewer than 200 people in the history of this award that have ever received it. And what I find amazing
amazing is that people are still learning about this story. I know there's been some of our faves, you know, in in the entertainment industry that have brought it to the forefront. There's a movie, Oprah Winfrey, uh, really championed uh, that story. It is it is so interesting, and with the family and and, and Henrietta Lacks not knowing that uh, her body was being used uh, in this way, I do believe there have been some monies uh, to come, mm -hmm. uh, which which I do believe the family absolutely deserves, and it is just one of the most interesting uh, medical stories I've heard alongside of uh, the uh, syphilis uh, story with the with the, with the yeah. black men something you know very, Tuskegee very, Tuskegee, yeah. yeah very uh, uh, Tuskegee experiment very yeah, yeah. Uh, similar uh, in nature and it just makes you wonder how many more stories have not been unearthed just yet yeah and you it's know? just also another reminder I mean her cells were stolen mm -hmm. were stolen and that's something something that uh, should continue to matter to folks. And so when we talk about calls for reparation, whether it's stolen land or stolen cells, Body right? Parts. You know, this is this is part of what reparations, root word repair, um, this is part of what it means. You know, it's not just acknowledgement in terms of giving awards yeah. and issuing apologies, but it's okay, what are you gonna do to make it right? What are you gonna do to make sure that the future generations don't have to, to, to deal with that kind of sure. of, uh, well, don't of get, wrongdoing? Don't get me started about harvesting. You know, I yeah. do believe that has been ongoing for a very long time. All right, let's move on to Fort Polk, a U.S. Army base that's in Louisiana, is being renamed this week in honor of Sergeant William Henry Johnson, that's a black World War I hero. Uh, it's part of the military's effort to rename bases that have Confederate names attached to them. The renaming process was laid out in a law passed by Congress back in 2020 and is expected to cost $62.5 million. The Pentagon ordered the name changes be implemented by the end of this year. Cincinnati's mayor and two city council members plan to apologize to the African-American community for uprooting them over 50 years ago. The black neighborhood was forced to make room for a highway and industrial center. The long-awaited apology is expected to come at a press conference next week. Now, leaders of the city believe that it will mark the first step towards reconciliation with former residents of the Lower West End, which was known as the Kenyan Bar District, where, where 10,000 black families called it home. You know what, this this is, you know, an event is no, um, it, it's happened across many black cities, many urban cities, you know, across the country here in Detroit. Uh, we had a black bottom. Uh, they tore black bottom up to make room for I-75, which is a main thoroughfare that runs uh, north and south. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this story, although this might be a different setting, is is nothing new. It's nothing new. And I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's hard. you get so inundated with them. I just don't want us to get um, passive or to um, get numb, you know, when we hear these stories, because these are families, these are legacies, these are generations that have been affected, and we are still affected uh, to this day. When you talk about reparations, I think that reparations looks a lot of kind of different ways, yeah. not just a check. And stories like this are, in my opinion, proof of that. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I haven't heard anybody propose it yet, but I think, you know, in terms of reparations, what does it look like for, you know, black Americans to be tax-free? Mm -hmm. Tax-free for a period of time. You can sunset it, you know, if you feel the need to, but, you know, that should be in the mix. You know, it's important to say that there were approximately 27% of the new homes that these residents occupied uh, when they were removed. It didn't even have toilets. 
you have toilets. And so the standard of living that they had where they were at versus where they were uh, moved to, uh, that decreased. And so when people wonder, well, how do you come up with these figures in terms of you know, people owing you know, X number of millions and billions of dollars in reparations, you got to take that sort of thing into account as well. Indeed. Still ahead, it's one of BET's hit shows. We're talking about Tyler Perry's sister. That's right. And the incomparable Nzinga Imani from the spinoff show Zatima is here to talk about the new season and her upcoming projects. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Come on back, y'all. Welcome back to Fox Soul's Black Report. Well, Tyler Perry's Sisters is a hit comedy drama show that is now in its sixth season, and its spinoff, Satima, is taking audience by storm as well. Oh, yes, it is. Now, the show has been an instant hit since premiering last year, and one of the actors is spreading her wings and soaring into success in several fields outside of the show. We want to welcome Nzinga Imani to the show. Welcome. I don't know if we've ever had a, a queen before. I know something about the name <laughs> Zinga, one of my good girlfriends name is Zinga, honey. That's a that's a legacy right there. And you living up yes. to it. Believe you me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Indeed. Well, we appreciate you. Me. We really appreciate you being here for for those living under a rock. <laughs> Because that's the only place they can be. Okay. And haven't seen Sisters or Zatima yet. Tell us about both shows and your Ooh. character, Angela. Okay. Well, um, Sisters is a it follows a group of girls and just their they're um, navigating love and success and careers and just trying to figure it out. Um, they're a group of friends. And one of those friends is um, Fatima. That character picked up steam and now they want to know all about the backstory of her love life. So that's where the spinoff Zatima comes in and I play her best friend, Angela, on that show. It has been so much fun working with Tyler Perry. It's been so much fun working with that cast. We really do have a blast. Girl, Angela, Angela, Angela. That's <laughs> all I got to say. Um, but you, Nzinga, you, you've been in, in, in a lot of other projects. You know, we're watching your career continue to grow and blossom. Talk a little bit about the inspiration behind why you wanted to become uh, an actress and be a part of this uh, crazy Hollywood world. A little bit how you got started with everything. I always knew I wanted to be in the spotlight. I was a singer originally, and then I got pulled into the world of musical theater and absolutely fell in love. Along with that, of course, I fell in love with acting. And really, this incorpor incorporates everything. I feel like it's really given me a foot in the door where I can explore all the arts that I want to be a part of. I have a plus size boutique, everything. And it's really just given me a little elevation so that I can go hard with everything that I do. But acting has been a very true passion, and to see it manifest so quickly and in so many ways, you know, from being on Sisters, All the Queen's Mansion, I was a Tima and being a series regular. It's incredible. Tyler Perry's making dreams come true all over the world and um, continuing to let his dreams blossom and become mm -hmm. greater and greater successes. So it's just a beautiful thing to be a part of. So, so for many black actors, working with Tyler Perry is a dream, as you've just mentioned. Talk to us about what's that experience like? What's it like working with him? And if you want to make a little news today, you know, 
Is is he or wanna, is he not it? going to become the new owner of BET? Don't, and Zinga, don't let me quarter line walk you into that. <laughs> now, I'll be honest with y'all, y'all know about as much information on that as I do. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I see the same post that you guys do. I'm praying and hoping it's true because, of course, I think that's a that's a great direction for BET to go in. I'm so excited that it's about to be black owned period. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But for it to be Tyler Perry, someone who I've literally watched bless so many people and walking in his faith has really created so much for so many people. I mean, his blessing has blessed millions, honestly, at this point. I know it's impacted my family greatly. Mm -hmm. So any way that he can continue to grow and his star continue to grow, I am 100% behind that. We know that's yes. right. Um, now, outside <laughs> of the show, uh, you had mentioned just a little earlier that you, you were a model and you got your hands on a lot of different things. You also have this clothing uh, brand, this line. Tell us a little bit more about that for us fluffy girls. Sure. <laughs> yes. I see you beautiful, vivacious. Um, That's I right. love it. That's um, right. <laughs> it's called Shop Nimani, um, and as in Nzinga, and then Imani for um, why I go by Nzinga Imani. It's a plus size boutique. I feel like there was just a place missing in the market for girls who look like me who are plus size, full, visit, very visibly plus size. I'm a 3X, but I still like to dress fun, flirty, sexy. I want to bring bright colors. I want to show my curves. You know, some people think you have to hide when you're plus size. I'm breaking that. I'm breaking through that mode. We're not mm. doing that. We're breaking through that. Um, so Shop Nomani is really just about finding clothes that's something that I want to see, something that, I, you know, I feel like we are so limited in the market. Although they, we have made great strides, we still are limited. So to see it and create something where girls can come and they say, you know, oh, I need to go to this party. I want to stand out. You don't need to put on a muumuu. You don't need to cover yourself up. Sometimes you want to, you know, be a hot girl a little That's bit. Right. That's right. If you want to be a hot girl, be a hot girl. Right. You don't better be preach to us, doctor. <laughs> so, so real quick, just back to you being a model and an influencer. What can we expect to see from Nzinga this year? We know that the Essence Festival is around the corner. We know so folks much. are going to be flocking to Sag Harbor and Martha's Vineyard, among other places. Uh, what you got? What do you have to offer? Well, I'm, I'm going to be all over the place this summer. I'm not yet sure if I'm going to be at Essence. I think I might be in Jamaica that week. Hey. <laughs> it's a crazy yeah, world we live in, uh, but I, I just feel blessed. But I do definitely want to be out there more, um, show representation more. So if there's any events anybody want to see me at, definitely <laughs> let me know. I, my calendar, I'll make space for it. <laughs> and before we let you go, I know, you know, we, we call our, our, our viewers soulmates, and uh, they're absolutely in love with the show. Uh, when it comes to fans, especially your, your because this has become like a cult type thing, this uh, sisters uh, movement. Um, are they able to separate you from your character? Did, you know, or do they? You know, do they do they come at you? Or, or what have your experiences been when when you've been amongst the fans? It's. It's incredible. Honestly, it's all love, but they always let me know, like, they have a little bit of an issue with me because yes. apparently I bring the drama. However, that is not my take on Angela. I think she's just one of those friends who's always going to give you mm -hmm. the real. And mm -hmm. sometimes the real is not nice and pretty and fluffy. So she's very much like me in real life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you 
you know, I'm going to be sweet about it, but I'm going to also tell you about yourself. And I think that's Angela, too. And um, they're loving the show so much and they're they're seeing the character grow and develop and it's about to get even better. Mm. So I just hope that they continue to watch because Angela's not as bad as she seems. OK, <laughs> I'm just, you know, listen, listen. So you said <laughs> and, and, and Ziga, we thank you so much. And uh, right there on the screen, yep. uh, you know, shop. shop. Imani.com. Imani it's right Imani. there. And so just in time for the summertime, all of our soulmates, you know where to go. We love you. We support you. Yes. Uh, you are Thank an honorary you. soulmate. Uh, yes. Godspeed to you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You are so welcome. All right. Now to uh, more celebrity headlines as rapper Boosie, badass, is in trouble once again. Mm -hmm. TMZ reports that the Baton Rouge native was arrested after showing up to court for a gun case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not known why the wipe me down rapper was taken into custody, but federal agents arrested him immediately after his gun uh, hearing wrapped up and was dismissed. Yeah, this isn't his first time landing in trouble. Most recently, he was booked in police custody back in May on multiple firearm possession charges. And he, I don't know where he locked up at, or maybe someone else has, you know, um, access to his uh, social media accounts, in particular uh, Twitter, because he tweeted at 545 uh, yesterday evening. Uh, he says, quote, I want to take this time to apologize to my kids. I'm sorry. And I love y'all forever. Uh, and, he, and he gave the uh, praying hands. And so, um, yeah, that's the last uh, statement uh, from either, either before or while he was locked up. And so um, I know you have to, you know, the law is the law. Yeah. But, you know, you're, we're hoping uh, for the best. We're hoping for the best. And, you know, look, it's it's important to uh, demonstrate to the court mm -hmm. and demonstrate in the court of public opinion uh, that you really are uh, apologetic for your actions. You're sorry about your actions and you recognize the impact that your actions have had on all of the people affected. You know, we've talked about this so often. Um, over the months right here on Foxhole's Black Report about restorative justice, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I'm not a, you know, throw them in jail, lock away, lock them up and throw away the key kind of guy. But what does restorative justice look like when you have created some harm? Um, and it seems to me like he's leaning into that. And I appreciate that. But do and, you and, but do you take away like the, the trust and the ability of the folks who could help to be able to help when there's this like repeat offender kind of thing going on? It sounds like he's been in this, you know, kind of trouble before. So I hear you and I get it. But at the same time, we're going to have to take some accountability and responsibility responsibility and once we've been released relief forgiven we've served the time to try to not find ourselves right back in that same situation yeah you're right and it, and it sounds like he's beginning to take some accountability some responsibility but mm -hmm. but that healing that healing thing, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, sometimes there's one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. And so I just hope that he finds his footing yeah. uh, for the sake of his kids and his community. Mm -hmm. And did you know that the, um, the praying hands are actually like a high five? You know, a lot of people think it's, it's praying really? hands, but it's actually a high five. Maybe they should just change the color of the hands and then they would know that it's a high five and not praying hands. I don't <laughs> think people know that. Note to Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> In the world, according to Courtney Hicks, is that, that's what you got to do. I think that's do. on the iPhone. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. Oh, okay. So our producer is saying when you type in blessed, it pops up. So maybe it's interchangeable. But the way I learned, it was a high five. Oh, well, just I've, I've, I've just been blessing people with them. Okay. Now, soulmates, bless this next story. We here. reported yesterday about the retirement of Pat Sajak from Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. 
love it. <laughs> but now there uh, are already a lot of lot of speculation and rumors about who could take his place. Some popular names are being floated as possible replacements uh, for uh, Sajak on Wheel of Fortune. Bloomberg reports none other than Ryan Seacrest, host of American Idol and about 50 other things, uh, is reportedly under consideration, like serious consideration, like he's talking to these people already. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, said that she would love uh, the, the job to be considered because it looks like a lot of fun. That's right. Sajak announced his retirement after four decades as host, and many have shared uh, that they want a female host mm. and a male Vanna White. I would love that. Uh, I, you know, there's no surprise that they're already talking to Ryan Seacrest. Nothing uh, concrete or definite just yet. Uh, I would love someone of color, you know, especially, I don't know if they're all interrelated. You know, Merv Griffin, bless his soul, he created all of these shows, or at least put them on the map. So I don't know if Will of Fortune and Jeopardy are, are housed under the same uh, folks, uh, but there was a, a controversial thing going on with um, uh, LeVar Burton. People thought he was the best yeah. candidate and he didn't get it and just a lot going on with that. So, you know, hopefully this will be a little bit more clean, clear and fun because it's not surrounded by anything tragic like the loss of Alex Trebek. But it's going to be interesting to see who people put out there. I was thinking Sherry. You know what I was um, thinking? You know what I was thinking? Hmm. I was thinking the Cordelide Corte and Courtney Hicks. I wasn't. Wouldn't y'all want to see that so amazing? Wouldn't I, you want to see us I host at least one episode? Let's no. just audition for Wheel of Fortune. No. Now, you wouldn't do you wouldn't now, do an audition? Now, now what now what might turn me around is is, is I don't know if they're gonna pay well unless it's like a, a Ryan Seacrest or maybe a Whoopi Goldberg. You think somebody's gonna get the same bag that Pat Sajak gets he gets no, like 20 not at all. 20 million he a year. but he did it for 40 years he deserved yeah. he deserved every penny now for 20 million I'd run up and down that board. Does it look something like this? With my little fat you legs all you out. I sure for us, Because back in the day, if you remember, Vanna used to flip it. Now she just like touches That's it. That's right. That's I right. can do that. That's right. And she, before you look, you better get it before AI gets it. Oh, well, I hope I hope they wouldn't leave it to AI. All right. Some sad news this afternoon. The cause of death of rapper Gangsta Boo has been uh, revealed. The former 3-6 Mafia rapper born Lola Mitchell died of an accidental overdose uh, to drugs that were found on her and a fentanyl-laced substance is also believed to be at play. Mitchell was found dead at the age of 43 on New Year's Day at her home in Memphis. Reports show that she died due to an overdose along with the uh, cocaine and some other drugs that were also reported in that autopsy. And that, that is what the suspicion was. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, someone, a family member may have found her and that was kind of like the suspicion, you know, the, the talk of the town as far as uh, what people sort of kind of who were familiar with yeah. her and her lifestyle. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and it's just a reminder that the, this fentanyl crisis is nothing to play with, right? Yeah. This fentanyl crisis, you know, is, is hitting everybody, mm -hmm. right? Black, mm -hmm. white, you know, but, you know, when it hits everybody, Sometimes it hits us harder, and so uh, again, hearts go out, yeah. you know. But uh, we got to do something serious about this fentanyl crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, moving along, Joseph uh, Fiennes, the actor chosen to play the late king of pop in a British TV comedy, is issuing an apology <laughs> for his performance. That's right. Fiennes, who is white, uh, was uh, cast to play Michael Jackson. I think he is, you know, a dead ringer 
all dressed up personally in the uh, uh, comedy centers around a road trip in the uh, U.S. Now, the late singer is said to have taken with movie stars Elizabeth Taylor and Marlon Brando. Well, in a recent interview, he said people are absolutely right to be upset that he played a pop icon and went on to say it was a wrong decision to take that well, but also said, I'm one part of that there are producers, broadcasters, writers, directors, all involved in these decisions. Those are his words. Not quite understanding what he was trying to say. Well, he, well he's trying to say it wasn't just him that made the decision to yeah. play Michael Jackson. There are other people that had a chance to weigh in and supported that decision. And I would say that all of those people got it wrong, including him. But he looked like Michael. I don't think he looked like Michael. He did not look like Michael Jackson. Stop it now. Please. My, there's a point, and, and I love Michael Jackson, God bless his soul. There was a point where Michael Jackson didn't look like Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. So, you know, listen, and I know that the biopic that the family is blessing, I do believe is in the works. I think a nephew is going to mm -hmm. play him. Um, you know, maybe maybe the bloodline thing will work and, and we'll get a better version, if you will, of, of, of Michael Jackson. That'll be interesting to see. But there's a lot of different looks that, that, that come with that Michael Jackson. That white man don't look like Michael Jackson. <laughs> You can't sell that to me today. But can you see tomorrow, why? Why you see he thought he Sunday, could? You, can't you see sell why it. he thought he could play Michael no, Jackson? No, I don't see it. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Okay. All right. Up next, y'all already know it's our favorite segment of the show, Black <laughs> Excellence. And today we are talking graduation. Yes, and we'll tell you what five sisters were able to accomplish when we return. You're watching Fox Hills Black Report, not just a little bit. They don't look like Michael Jackson no. either. Don't no. nobody look no, like Michael Jackson. I'm talking about the guy, the white guy. Time now to meet a family of five Nigerian sisters who all became medical mm -hmm. doctors. The Alu family was blessed with five outstanding daughters, all of whom pursued careers in medicine. Salab, Salamat, uh, the oldest sibling, specializes in neurosurgery, making her the first uh, female neurosurgeon in West Africa. Halima pursued a career in plastic surgery. Khadija chose the path of family medicine. Uh, Relat. Ralaat uh, works as an OBGYN and Medina serves as a community health physician. That's right. The sisters managed to break through the barriers and excel in a male-dominated profession and also serve as an inspiration, encouraging women to pursue their dreams and challenge societal norms, especially mm. within the black community. Love to see it. Look at all those gorgeous queens. And, and I love how they're all doctors, but they chose very different disciplines, very yeah. different paths but all, you know, for the good, you know, of the good. And then the, the long withstanding message to, hey, break through those barriers and, and carve your own path. And that uh, you have to really dwell in possibility. And, and he, they are examples of that. And there is a long history of black women across the diaspora playing mm -hmm. roles in our community as healers, mm -hmm. right? And so in my view, this is just another form of that. We've been doing this, you know, since the beginning of time. And so to see this family of sisters uh, disrupting people's preconceived notions about, you know, who can be doctors mm -hmm. and what doctors in various fields can look like. 
uh, and what young black women can aspire to do. Uh, that is why this is black excellence that we love to share. It's amazing. All right, for the full rundown on today's stories and more, you can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can uh, access past shows and other uh, black-centered content. Don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free, and uh, we're looking forward to, uh, so much for you to join us tomorrow because it happens to be our last show. That's right, so that's I right. I want to make sure we send out a special invitation. I don't know what we're going to do just yet. I've, I've heard an Atlanta housewife will join us. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we definitely want you to be a part of uh, this uh, closing out of this chapter. It has been an honor to sit at this mm -hmm. desk and to take each and every one of you on a journey across black America, the stories that don't get enough attention and the views and opinions that you don't hear enough of. And so yeah. uh, tomorrow will be our final episode, mm -hmm. uh, but we ain't going nowhere. I know. What say, they say reason season uh, lifetime. I think this was just a reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it would have been a, if it was a little longer it would have been more of a season but this is definitely a reason and and those reasons have have yet uh to reveal themselves so and when we uh, say we're, we're excited about what's to come yes and when we say that it takes a village to produce the show we hope that tomorrow we get a chance to uh, show, showcase show some of the village. some of the folks yeah. that are a part of that village, both uh, behind the camera and in the booth. Okay, speaking of behind the camera, Steve is holding up 30 seconds. You're doing a lot of talking because you got a fight to go catch. That's right. It's been Courtney. It's been real. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm your Cordelia Corte. <laughs> on behalf of the village here at Fox Old Black go. Report, stay lifted, y'all. Get on out of here. See you soon. Get on out of here. <laughs>